Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm the senior pastor here at LifePoint Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like a little more information about our church, check out lpchurch.us. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, happy Easter, and what great worship we've been enjoying here today. And I love Easter, and I have a lot of good memories around Easter. In fact, when I was a kid... The first thing I always wanted to do on Easter morning was I wanted to find the Easter basket that my mom had hidden in the living room. Easter was a success or a failure, depending on if I got the chocolate bunny I was hoping for in the Easter basket. And now as an adult, the first thing I want on Easter morning is a hot cup of coffee. And like every day, Easter is a success or failure depending on if I get my morning cup of coffee. Now, don't get me wrong. I feel like I need to add, I'm not an addict. I just have to have at least two cups every single morning. I love coffee. I enjoy coffee shops, especially local ones that roast their own beans here in the area. In fact, one coffee shop that I recently heard about from my daughters and uh, some of the staff here is La Finca Coffee Shop in Frisco. And I was excited to finally get to try this place. And and then I saw that La Finca has actually opened a new location, a second location, off Highway 30 and uh, off Highway 380 and Coit. And so about a week ago, my wife Ginger and I and my youngest daughter Madison, we decided to finally give this place a try at their new location. So we pull up to the drive-thru, and I'm just so excited. I'm anticipating it like a chocolate bunny on Easter basket, Easter morning. And I keep thinking, man, this is going to be a great cup of coffee. I hope it's as good as they say. So we get to the drive-thru window, and my wife rolls down her window, and we start kind of checking out the menu. And honestly, we sat there for like five minutes looking at the menu, trying to decide exactly what we wanted. I don't know if anybody else is this way. Is anybody else's family completely frozen when someone else puts a menu in front of their face? It's as if it's got to be the perfect selection or, you know, life, I'll never have the same amount of happiness as if we can get it that right. Well, we eventually figured it out. My daughter uh, wanted a a vanilla latte, Ginger wanted a smoothie, and, and I went with my standard coffee. But we were a little surprised as we sat there that no one had spoken to us through the drive-thru speaker. And so my wife says, we're ready to order now crickets. So she said to me, she said, well, they're probably busy, you know, it's a new staff. And so let's just pull up to the window and we'll place our order. So we pull up to the window and then what we saw caused our hopes to crash. Because the lights were out, the inside was under construction and the coffee shop isn't even open for business yet. Meanwhile, we had just spent five minutes in the drive-thru wrestling with what to order, talking to a drive-thru speaker of a business that hasn't even opened yet. I hope they don't have security cameras or they're really going to enjoy that one. Truth is, our hope for La Finca coffee had to be put on hold. But today, I hope your kids got their baskets and you got your coffee. But I would like to talk today about hope. Not the kind of hope that you would put into a new coffee shop and hoping that it's open. I want to talk about hope because I believe it's at the center of one of the most difficult tensions that you and I will manage in our life. And here's the tension. 
How can I remain hopeful in a hopelessly broken world? You and I will face that tension from time to time, and sometimes it's not real heavy, but at other times the tension really grows because the, the weight grows, and so it's when you put your hope in a friendship, and then that friend betrays you, and you lose hope. Or when you had the job that you loved, and you invested fully in it, and all of a sudden it ends badly, and you begin to think, how do I maintain hope now? When you put your confidence in a church or in a leader and they let you down and suddenly you're facing that tension again. Or maybe it was when you were at your wedding with you and your spouse and you committed till death do us part but a difficult divorce has caused you to lose hope. You know you're losing hope when you say these things. Well, why even try? What's the use and what's the point? You're beginning to deal with this dilemma that all of us face. But hope, you see, hope is like a ladder that we lean against a wall. We all lean it against something or someone, but we rarely stop to think what we're leaning the ladder against and whether or not it's reliable. But from the day you were born, you placed hope in something or someone. It's usually our parents, and at some point we begin to shift our hope elsewhere. We begin, as we get to be a little older, to take our ladder and lean it against our talents, against our education, our friends, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. As we get older still, we begin to lean it against our careers, our success, our marriage, our family, and eventually our retirement. But we never think about the reliability of that wall that we're leaning our ladder against until the wall fails, until she leaves me, or the economy crashes, or tragedy strikes. And then all of a sudden, we become very aware of what we've leaned our ladder against. So this morning, regardless of whether you follow Jesus or not, you, like me, are leaning your ladder of hope against something right now. So let me ask you a very personal question. What is your ladder leaning against? And you might think, well, why are you even asking that? Because once you discover what you're hoping in, then you can assess or determine if it's trustworthy. This is the beauty of the entire theme of scripture from beginning to end. There is one singular message that God is inviting us to lean our ladder of hope against him and specifically against his love. And this scripture captures that idea more than any. Psalm 33, 22 says, may your unfailing love, this wall doesn't fall, scripture says, may it be with us even as we put our hope in you but some of you who are here today you believed that at one time maybe you were taught to put your hope in God as a kid but as you've become an adult your life has included some pain or disappointment and now you struggle to believe this and if you're really honest you might even say you no longer believe this I mean, what do you do when you face unexplainable circumstances, when God doesn't do what we think he ought to do? Well, you lose hope. When God doesn't seem reliable, it doesn't feel like 
his love is unfailing. So maybe you're one of those who thought that God would protect you if you did certain things. And so you leaned your ladder of hope on God and all of a sudden as you look around, you don't feel protected and you might not be convinced any longer that God's love is unfailing. Or maybe you thought that God would bless you if you lived a certain way, but you're struggling to believe because as you look around, other people have the blessings that you anticipated. Or maybe you've prayed a specific prayer for a long time and as you look around, God hasn't answered those prayers and you're beginning to wonder if God's love is truly unfailing. The good news is you're not alone. The early disciples, the earliest people who followed Jesus, who were close friends and followers of Jesus, they leaned their ladder against Jesus, but Jesus let them down. They believed that God's love failed them. And they started to think, well, why even try? What's the use? What's the point? And so today, as we observe Easter, it's really important to know that the story of Easter began when Jesus' followers lost hope. And I want to look at this story, and today we're going to look at the story in Matthew chapter 28. It's the first book in the New Testament, last chapter, Matthew chapter 28, which records the entire beautiful story of the resurrection which began when Jesus' followers lost hope. Here we go, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Not just any tomb, but the tomb of Jesus, the one they had been following. And the front of the tomb would have been covered with a large stone. And as they show up, having been at the crucifixion, these ladies... Then at the first moment, they're the first ones to be at the tomb. You may wonder, well, why is this now such a hopelessly broken moment? Because these disciples, these early followers, they had leaned their ladder not just against Jesus, but a specific kind of Jesus, a Jesus who would conquer, a Jesus who would introduce a new kingdom as an earthly ruler. They expected Jesus to lead them to a celebration, not a cemetery. The disciples had what is very common. They had circumstantial hope. See, deep down, they believe what most people believe, that God's love is evidenced, demonstrated through our circumstances. And to some degree, we all feel that way. As long as things are going well, then I have hope. And when they aren't, I don't. But these disciples, well, they found themselves in a cemetery and they had lost hope. And from where they stood, God's unfailing love had failed them when their leader, Jesus, died on the cross and they became hopeless. Now, how do I know that the disciples were hopeless? I think it's three specific reactions over the crucifixion through the resurrection. Number one, when Jesus was arrested, they fled and they hid. When Jesus was crucified, there were a handful of women and one man, John, that was present, but none of the rest, they were all conspicuously absent. And then when Jesus resurrected, like he said, he would, 
none attended. Bottom line is God wasn't doing what they thought he ought to do. And their circumstances had become unexplainable. And maybe you feel that way. They didn't have answers for the questions they were asking. And they lost hope. And this is where the Easter story begins to turn. Because something happened to these hopeless disciples. Where they went from being hopeless to being fearless. Something happened that changed their view of the world and helped them change the world. And now we begin the part of the Easter story that we all enjoy who follow Jesus, but we need to know it began with hopelessness. But now look at verse 2. Suddenly, while they're there in the cemetery, there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it as if a position of power. And then the angel speaks in verse 5 and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. It's as if the angel is saying, I know that you leaned your ladder against Jesus. And based on your circumstances, I know that you feel hopeless right now. From where you're standing, it appears God has failed you. But you can't see everything from where you're standing. You can't see the full story from there. And I get to be the one, the angel says, that tells you there's more to the story than your circumstances. And then the angel gets to the best part and makes the announcement in verse 6. He is not here. I love these next three words. He has risen. Just as he said. It's almost as if the angel says, where have you been? He told you he was going to do it. And in that moment, everything changed. And those shocking words would send shockwaves throughout the world. And 2,000 years later in Collin County in 2023, this is still the event that we can look back on that is the turning point in history. Then notice what the angel said next. After the angel says he has risen just as he said, the angel then says, so come and see the place where he lay. You see, from where you are, the angel knew, you might not be able to appreciate the full story. It might look like from there that God has failed you. You can't see that he is risen. Come over here and see for yourself exactly who Jesus really is. And I love this this response of God throughout the Bible where he gently invites us to come closer and to see from where you are, sometimes through your lens of your circumstances, it very well may appear that God has failed you. But maybe there's more of him to see. And this is where the story gets better. Look at the next four words, the beginning of verse 9. It says, and suddenly Jesus, resurrected Jesus, met them. He's physically walking with them. In their despair, near the tomb, Jesus met them. Imagine what these women are thinking. We leaned our ladder against you and it collapsed and now you're there. This is the kind of wall we have no category for. By the way, Jesus would later appear to more than 500 people in the days ahead, the resurrected Jesus. And seeing Jesus resurrected, that would transform the disciples 
from hopeless to fearless. And then notice, when these ladies saw the resurrected Jesus, watch their response in the rest of verse 9. Jesus said to them, greetings. And they came to him, and they clasped his feet and worshipped him. Suddenly they realized the bigger picture of who Jesus is, and their immediate response was surrender. Why? Because the significance of the resurrection was not lost on these ladies. They had thought that God's love had failed them, and now they know that the resurrection demonstrates that God's love is unfailing. Think about it. Death, the grave, the tomb, had tried to separate them from the love of God. Remember, they're standing near the tomb where the dead body of Jesus had been, and they remember the arrest and crucifixion had temporarily convinced them that God's love had failed them. Through the lens of their circumstances, God wasn't loving them. But the resurrection of Jesus proved to them that nothing, not even death, could separate them from God's love. The Apostle Paul would later said, nothing can separate us from God's love because he said Jesus died, but even more, he said, because Jesus rose from the dead. Death tries to separate us from the love of God, but the power of God is demonstrated in the resurrection which proves that God's love is unfailing. And once the disciples realized this, their perspective permanently shifted and they stopped looking at their circumstances trying to find the love of God instead they looked at the cross in an empty grave and realized the love of God no matter their circumstances they became fearless and they spent the rest of their lives announcing to anyone who would listen Jesus rose from the dead and I saw it with my own eyes and their hope wasn't dependent on their circumstances because they ended up being martyrs Their hope was in a risen Savior. The reason the disciples could believe, both when things were good and when things were bad, is not because they could suddenly explain their circumstances or they could make sense of their circumstances. The reason they could believe is because of a person. This is what sets Christianity apart from every other faith system is the disciples believed because they witnessed something that actually happened in history. In fact, I love this quote by atheist and uh, New Testament critic, Dr. Bart Ehrman. He says, we can say with confidence that some of the disciples claim to have seen Jesus alive. Seeing the resurrected Jesus, it changed everything for these disciples. And for them it proved that the resurrection demonstrates that God's love is unfailing. 2,000 years later, many people profess to follow this same Jesus. And they believe, we believe, not because of our ability to interpret circumstances. We believe Because something happened 2,000 years ago that demonstrates the unfailing love of God. And these disciples no longer leaned their ladder against the circumstances of life, but against God's love. And the power of that freed them to change the world. Now, 
If you're new and you're with us today, and if you're new and don't believe in the resurrection, I just want to tell you, I admire you. And you may think, why? Because you came to a Christian church on Easter Sunday knowing the pastor would talk about a resurrection that you don't believe in. I admire that. From day one, just know there were a lot of people who believed and didn't believe. The rest of Matthew 28 outlines people on each side. But what I want you to know is from day one, God gently invited people to come closer and see. He invites you to come closer and see the full picture of who Jesus really is. And for me, the resurrection just explains so much. The resurrection of Jesus explains how a handful of ragtag, non-influential people from a simple corner of the world could be changed so radically and then could change the world so radically. The resurrection of Jesus explains why 2,000 years later, more songs have been written to him, more books have been written about him, and more paintings painted of him than anyone else in human history. The resurrection of Jesus explains why our calendar is split into B.C. and A.D. based on the life of one man, Jesus, and what he did 2,000 years ago, that first Easter morning. And the resurrection of Jesus explains why today, 2,000 years later, there are somewhere around 2.8 billion people who follow Jesus from many tribes and nations. And the resurrection of Jesus, well, it explains why more people are attending church today than any other Sunday. People are gathering all around the world today in cathedrals and in churches, in homes, in open fields. Some are even gathering in local high schools. Some are launching brand new campuses today. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, there was a man who predicted his own death and resurrection and he pulled it off and the world was forever changed. Jesus rose from the dead. Now, why does this matter to you today? As we look around, it's easy in our day to lose hope, to feel hopeless. We see another school shooting. We are always aware of the political division, the economic instability, and well, we just, it's easy to lose hope. But this is the good news of Easter. Because Jesus rose from the dead we know that God can bring hope to any cemetery. It was a hopelessly broken moment 2,000 years ago when the forces of evil took Jesus down and crucified him, the Son of God. And you may be here today and you're discouraged, but the most hopeless moment in human history is not what you're going through or what I'm going through or what our nation might go through. The most hopeless moment in human history has already happened. And it was when a bunch of corrupt political leaders, a bunch of corrupt religious leaders, coordinated, I believe, with unseen evil forces to crucify the Son of God to the cross of Calvary. That's where the Easter story picked up today. But God's response to the most hopeless moment in human history was to raise Jesus 
from the dead. And you might be here and you feel discouraged because of what's going on in your life or maybe even what you're doing. You might think, Mark, you don't know what I've done. My failures include things worse than just abandoning Jesus for three days after his death on the cross. My failures include things like adultery or addiction or being self-centered in my own lifestyle. You don't know what I'm dealing with or what I've done. And I don't know your cemetery But I do know that God raised Jesus from the dead so God can bring hope to your cemetery. Even when you fail, God's love will never fail you. So let me ask you, where can you lean your ladder of hope? You're leaning it somewhere. I want to tell you what the disciples tell you, what all of Scripture tells you, what every Christian who's followed Jesus and discovered this would tell you, that you can lean your ladder against the unfailing love of God. I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said, the love of God is one of the great realities of this universe. It's a pillar upon which the hope of the world rests. So back to our original question. How can you remain hopeful in a hopelessly broken world? God's unfailing love gives you hope in a hopeless world. It's better than your circumstances or your prayers. It's his unfailing love. Now, I got to give you a quick caution. If you're, one, if you're a Jesus follower and at some point you have placed your ladder, leaning it against God's love, and I just want to give you this warning. The caution is your ladder of hope is very easy to move. Years ago, my wife Ginger and I, we leaned our ladder against something that was good but unable to bear the weight of our expectations. It was when our first church plant became a failed church plant. And we discovered that nothing, not even a church, can fully support the weight of our hope. So today, we're very honored that you would be with us today as we launch this new campus. But let me just say from day one, as wonderful as we believe this church is, we are not inviting you to put your hope in this church. We are inviting you to put all of your hope in the unfailing, unending love of God. Why? Because we are convinced his love will never let you down. And we don't want to be a church that encourages anything but that. In fact, we want to be a church that helps you keep your ladder leaning on him. So now here's the real personal question. What is your ladder leaning against if you're just being really honest and you say what how will that help me well once you know what you're hoping in then you can assess whether or not it's trustworthy now I just want you to know I want to give an invitation to you if you've never surrendered to God you are invited today he invites you to come closer and see and to lean your ladder against God's unending love for you Look, his love does not promise better circumstances. It didn't for the disciples. God's love won't be demonstrated through you landing a great job. It's not promised. He doesn't promise that his love will be demonstrated through a scholarship or some kind of success. God's love was already demonstrated on a cross and an empty 
grave. And if you're ready to place your hope in God, then I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. In fact, you could just remain seated where you are and you can quietly just repeat this prayer after me. There's nothing magical in the words. It's your heart to God's. And if you're watching online, I would invite you in just this moment to pray this prayer after me. If you want to make that decision, all your hope in him, would you pray this prayer silently after me? God, I want to put my hope in something that is trustworthy. I see the brokenness around me, and I also admit there is brokenness within me. And I believe your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins and then rose from the dead. And I want to lean my ladder of hope against your unfailing love. And I want to surrender to you today by giving the rest of my life to you. So today I make you my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you made that decision, if you prayed that prayer of surrender, I want to welcome you to the family of God. I believe it is the greatest decision you can make in your life. Now, if you're here today and you already follow Jesus, this is a decision that you've made, then I want to give you an invitation. If you've moved your ladder away from the love of God, maybe it's because of your circumstances, maybe it's because of an unanswered prayer, or maybe you're just chasing something that you see and want, you are invited to lean your hope again against God's unending love. And this is the best decision you can make. Now for all of us, this is the most important part of the message. I wanna ask everyone to make a decision today, Easter Sunday, 2023. Everyone, would you take your phone out right now and we're going to put a QR code up here and I'm going to ask you to click on it or you see the web address if you'll just go to that link and we have several different options of decisions that you may be ready to make you might be here and say look I'm not ready to even fully buy in or believe but I have decided that I am willing to discover what my hope is in then you can assess whether or not it's trustworthy. What is my ladder leaning against? Maybe that would be your decision today. Or maybe you would say, I prayed the prayer earlier and I have decided to put my hope in God. I'm gonna lean my ladder against God's love. Oh, we would love to, to hear of that decision and mail you a new believer's Bible. Or maybe you would say, I've already decided to follow Jesus, but today I am deciding to return my hope back against God's love. I'm going to move my ladder again and trust in him. Or maybe you would say, I feel like I'm there, but I want to continue to share the hope of God's unending love with others. Would you just let us know, make that decision, wherever you are, however God leads you to make that decision. And then would you just let us know? by indicating it there on that form. Now, we're gonna sing a song and then I'm gonna come back one final time to share one final thing. But I would just love to close us in prayer. 
our time together. Would you join me in prayer? Father, you tell us that your love is unfailing and that we can put our hope in you. While we were sinners, you demonstrated your love by Jesus dying on the cross for us. And now nothing can separate us from your love. God, would you help each of us today to see the fullness of Jesus, who you are, to come closer and see. And then help us to interpret your love, not through our circumstances, but through the cross and an empty grave. Help us to fully lean on your unfailing love today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.